Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. All right, well, good morning again, everyone. So if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Matt McCarrier. I am a member here. Me and my uh, family have been coming here for about a year. We, I grew up going to this church, um, so we are just excited to be a part of your church and, uh, and, and your family. Um, and if we have not had, like I said, if not had the chance to meet, I'd love to, to get to know all of you. And, uh, and if you see me pass on the hall, you know, just feel free to grab me and we can talk and, and get to know each other that way. Um, but today we're going to close up this sermon series that uh, we've been going on called Love Does. So we've been talking about it, and I don't know about you, uh, but I've been really enjoying this sermon series. I don't know, I, I've been thinking just every time the past like four weeks, uh, I've just been thinking about how much God's presence here. It's been really affecting me. It's been really, I've been thinking about it through the week, just kind of contemplating these, uh, these homework assignments and trying to work through, you know, what this stuff meets, uh, means for me. So when uh, Pastor Brandon asked me to close out this series, I felt a little bit humble just that... Um, this has been an impactful series. I think it's a really cool um, topic. The idea of love is just um, so just polarizing in our society right now. And so to talk about it and to spend a whole year on what it means to love and what it looks like uh, is just really exciting to me. And so like I said, today we are going to finish up this. We're going to look at a story uh, about a young man who approaches Christ and uh, his interaction with Christ is pretty unique. You may have read this or heard this story before, and you may have even read over it as something very simple, or maybe at the first read it, it seems kind of superficial. But this is a really interesting interaction with Christ. Uh, any interaction with Christ is, is interesting because he's the God of the universe. So anytime we see him interacting with people and the words that he says, um, I don't know about you, but I tend to sometimes forget that he is God. And as I'm reading his words, I take them sometimes at face value. And then I'm like, this is the, the person who can uh, create universes by speaking. I think probably if he says good morning, I should like think like, what's he mean? You know, what, what's this one? You know, what's the hidden value in this? Like, uh, it's, there's a lot of things that we can dissect and take from Christ's uh, words. And so we're going to look today at um, Luke 18. 18 through 22. Like I said, in this kind of section of Luke, Luke is trying to paint a picture of what it means to follow God. He's trying to give parables. He's trying to give interactions. And um, if you read through the the Gospels, and sometimes uh, things happen in maybe different orders— and if maybe that sometimes has bothered you, maybe you've read through and been like, man, in, in Matthew, it says like this happened and then this happened or this happened and then Jesus said this parable. And then in, in Mark, it says something different. And in Luke, they put it in a different order. One of the reasons is uh, that these are all different people and they're all experiencing these things from different perspectives. And all of them have a certain uh, goal in mind when writing their letters. They want to make a point. Whenever we, uh, as pastors, are trying to come up with a sermon, all of us have 
um, goals or ends or places we want you to go. Uh, so you could give uh, myself and Pastor Brandon the same scriptures, the same ideas, the same points, and we would, could end up in totally drastically different places. Um, and so this is what happens here is that Luke is trying to get across this picture. So he takes some of God's teachings and he puts them in and he says, these all seem to fit together. And so I'm going to put them together here to try and get this point across. I have a goal. I want to try and teach people what it means to follow Christ. And so we see here um, him talking about this interaction that he experienced. And, and to be a disciple would be so interesting because you're following this person. You get this one-on-one interaction with a person that you believe, or at least in, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, this might be God, right? You're sitting here and you get to just sit back and watch how he deals with every situation, when he deals with being persecuted, when he deals with tough questions. And like, I just imagine that like as a disciple, like you just see a person coming up and you're like, all right, what's this one going to be, right? What, what question? What thing is going to happen? What interaction? And, and so the disciples are sitting back, they're watching, and this young man, the Bible says he's a rich young man, approaches Christ. And it says, once a religious leader asked Jesus a question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He's, Jesus answers, why do you call me good? Jesus asks him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, You know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This is an interesting interaction. And like I said, Jesus' words at the front might seem simple, but everything that he says to this young man is double-layered. It has, has multiple meanings, and it's very cool. Uh, we're going to look at the first thing. So Jesus is interacting with this man, and this man is trying to follow God. At least surface level, that's what his goal is. This man is coming, he's saying, how do I achieve eternal life? How do, I've done these things. I'm currently following God. And what's really cool is right off the bat, Jesus starts teaching him. And whether this young man gets it or not is is another question, but Jesus starts teaching right off the bat uh, something as simple as uh, the young man comes and says, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And did you catch Jesus's response? It's a weird one, right? He says, why do you call me good? Now, this is, uh, all this young man was doing was essentially uh, giving respect to Jesus, calling him by like a respectful name. So it'd be like if I called you sir or ma'am, right? Um, like if you were at, the, if I was waiting on you and, and you came to me and I was like, what can I do for you, sir? Uh, what can I do for you, ma'am? And the response, why you call me ma'am? Why you call me sir? Uh, uh, <laughs> like I just picture this young ruler being like, I just was being polite. <laughs> like I was just calling you a good rabbi. And this kind of thing might seem really weird at first because you're thinking, well, why would he respond that way? Why would he question this just kind of trivial um, mannerism, right? This trivial kind of thing. What, what Christ is doing is he's using this opportunity to teach because this young man is trying to figure out how to follow God and Jesus is putting into perspective that he doesn't even have the right worldview, He's not even looking at the world from the right way. Because he's, here's the thing is, is that this young man believes that people 
can be good, that you can achieve salvation. That's what we see happening here. It's not that, that um, he has to sell his possessions um, exactly. He does because Jesus can pick point, pinpoint um, this thing in him that's holding him back. But the, the really, the, when you really burrow down into the core of what's happening here is that this young man is asking, what do I have to do? What can I do? How can I be good enough? And so he comes up to him and says, hey, good rabbi. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Don't you know that the only person that can be good is God? And then there's this other layer here where he doesn't counteract the young man, right? He doesn't say, no, 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 I'm not good. Like the only person that is good is God. He says, okay, I'm the good teacher, but you know, the only person that's good is God, right? That's a pretty arrogant thing to say, unless you are God. So in this one statement, he's correcting this man. He's saying, you don't understand the world because you think you can earn your way into heaven. Also, you don't understand me. You don't understand who I am. You don't understand the role I play here. And then finally, he's saying, you don't even know me. Right? How often, you know, there's this weird, um, when you're starting to get to know someone and they have like a nickname and everyone calls them that, but you don't really know them all that well. So you're like the only person who doesn't call them by that nickname because you're like, I don't know if I've earned this right to, to call them by this nickname. And Jesus in this one statement, he's kind of saying that as well. He's like, why do you call me good teacher? You don't know me. And he goes on to, to explain, he's like, but you could. He gives, that's the option that he gives him. He says, listen, to follow me, to, in, to achieve eternal life, this goal that you have, this, uh, this end that you want, there's only one way to do it. And you could take, he tells the young man to uh, sell all of his possessions and to follow him. And most scholars, if you, if you read through any commentaries, if you read through things like that, most scholars look at that and say, it doesn't really matter what Jesus is asking in that situation. That thing is pretty particular to that young man, um, is that this wealth, for whatever reason, whether it's the status from the wealth, whether it's the things he could buy, whether it's maybe the lifestyle that he's had or the people that he surrounds himself with um, because of the wealth, whatever it is, that's his hang-up. That's keeping him from knowing God. But in the end, what his hang-up is, is knowing God. And Christ reiterates it right from the beginning. He says, why do you call me good? Do you even know me? You don't even know me. And the man replies, here's the cool thing, is that the man replies and he says, but listen, okay, I, that weird interaction aside, like you're kind of a weird guy right off the bat, you know, I just was trying to be polite and you have come at me um, with this thing, like this kind of question, I don't really know the answer, but then Jesus kind of says, well, listen, that's okay, I'm not gonna get into all that right now, uh, but I'll answer your question. He goes, if you want to do this, then give up all you can. This passage ends in kind of a sad note, because it says here in verse 23, it says, but when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? And he replied, what is impossible for people is possible for God. 
Peter said, we left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will repay many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. So we don't really get an upbeat ending for this young ruler. It seems like he, he doesn't understand. Things can't qu- quite click. He says, man, this one more thing to do. I've done all of these things, and, and I've followed all of these rules, and you're asking me to do this one more thing, and I don't even understand it because that's not one of the Ten Commandments. I don't understand why you're asking me, and he just gets sad, and he's like, I don't get it. But see, this is the thing that, that Jesus does. Like I said, Jesus' words were layered. All he was asking this young man to do was have a relationship with him. He says, listen, I just want to know you. You have to know me. When you know me, you'll know that I am good. Those words that you said very hollowly at the beginning will have meaning once you get to know me. That kind of nice mannerism, calling me the good teacher at the beginning, when you know me, you'll know that it's true. When you know me, your heart will change. And today, as we close up this love does, we're talking about following God, knowing God. See, each one of us has something that holds us back. Each one of us has that thing, maybe it's multiple things, uh, that keep us from following God. And we may look and say in our heads, just like this young ruler, well, that's not, I do the Ten Commandments, right? I don't murder people, right? I don't steal things. I don't worship other gods, right? I'm not, I'm not bowing down to other gods. I'm not doing these. You can go through this list and say, I've, I've checked these things off. I try to do these things. Or maybe you're sitting in, in, in your life and you don't have a relationship with God and you're like, I don't follow any of those things. Well, here's the good news. is that on both sides, those things don't matter on your eternity. Those things don't matter when it comes to uh, to gaining this eternal life that this young man wanted. Now, when we have a relationship, that's what we're going to talk about this morning a little bit, is when we have a relationship with God, we're called to follow him. But the end, this story, this interaction that seems so simple up front is so much more. It's about having a relationship with the God of the universe and following him. So whenever I started preaching, well, actually, when we had our first uh, daughter, Zoe, we, a friend of mine who's also a preacher, he came up to me and he was like, hey, when you preach, you're going to want to start pulling your family into it, right? You're going to want to start you know, using examples and stuff. And he said, uh, I do that too. And he goes, my rule in our house is that every time you talk about um, one of the family members, you have to give them a dollar, right? Uh, and so we kind of started doing that. I told Pam I wasn't doing it. That's my wife. I was like, yeah, the two, we talk about you too much. I'm going to go broke. Um, so, but with our daughters, I try to do it. So today, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to have to give my daughter Zoe like $20. Um, but here's the thing is that as I was thinking about this closing, this, this follow me, where the, the key point of today is that we're supposed to, um, in order to truly follow God, It requires us to let go of our if-onlys to follow God's what-ifs. See, think about this young man who comes before God, and he's thinking about, if only I could do, he knows that he's not there yet, 
This is what's amazing about this young man is he believes he is inherently good. He believes that he is following the, the Ten Commandments, but yet he knows in his heart, because when we're truly honest with ourselves, we know there's something missing. He's like, I still, there, I haven't done enough. I still mess up too often. I still have these thoughts. I still need something else. And so he comes, even knowing that, he goes, I know I'm not there. Um, but he's like, if I could do one more thing, if I could just do one more, if, if things could be slightly different, maybe I could achieve this. Maybe my life would look different. Maybe I could feel this peace. And Jesus says to him, there is one more thing you could do, but it's not what this man expected. It's not what he wanted. He wanted this action, um, and it was a tangible action, but it was the, the tag on. So we always focus so much on um, the, the direction to give up all your money, but he says, give up all your money and follow me. Follow me. He's like, follow me. And this young man, he just can't. He can't grasp this. He can't get it because he, he can't figure out, he can't see the what ifs. He can't see what God has plans for his life. Think about that. Think about how differently we could have had another disciple if this had gone slightly different. If he had made one step all of history could have been different. Who knows what he could have achieved, where he could have gone. We don't even know his name. There could have been books of the Bible. Millions of people could have been influenced by this person. But he was still thinking, he said, what? I gotta do this one thing, I, this eternal life thing. I know I can't, I haven't figured it out yet. One more thing, what if, what if I try this? What if I try this? What if I try this? What if I do this? And Jesus is like, Okay, but it's following me that matters. And when you follow me, I am going to ask you to do some of those things, right? It's not a free-for-all. When you follow me, it means following me. It means doing the things that I ask you to do. He goes before the disciples, and he tells them to drop everything. If we go to um, Matthew, for a second here, got these little note cards here. If we go to Matthew 16, 24, we see, he says, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So this leads us to our first point here, is that we have to give up control. God wants control of our lives. Now, that may seem scary. If you're, if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, and you're seeing that, and you're like, man, that seems really weird. Uh, people wanting control of my life, that scares me. It's not the way that we think about in the world. See, see God is this perfect good. God is love. That's what the Bible tells us. So to give up control, to give up and follow him, is to receive nothing but love. That doesn't mean that we won't experience hardship because this world is broken. You've experienced hardship. I've experienced hardship. But the Bible says that if we want to follow God, we have to give up control. He asked the disciples to drop what they're doing. Drop your nets. Drop your boat. Drop your livelihood. Follow me. He says that again in uh, Matthew 4, 18 through 20. He's talking to, this is specific. We've been talking a little bit about um, Peter the past couple of weeks and some of these disciples' interactions. And it says here in Matthew 4, 18 through 20, it says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. 
It takes sacrifice. But here's the thing is that we get so caught up on, again, these what ifs, these, these questions, this idea of I want it my way, or maybe I can do something, or it, maybe I can do this and still be able to do this. And God's saying, I need you to give up that. Like I said, I was going to talk a little bit about my daughter. Um, a few, it might have been last winter, this past winter, um, at the house that, that we own, there's this big uh, hill and it leads down to a pond. And for the first time in a couple of years, uh, the pond froze over. And uh, we went out and we were sled riding. And I went down and I checked the pond real well and I, I checked it all around. I made sure it was real thick and it had been freezing. It was one of those times where it was like four days in a row where it was like negative 17. And uh, we walked out. I walked out on the pond and everything, but I didn't check the entire pond. I, I checked sections of it made sure it was fine, but I was still nervous about some of the more shallow areas, some of the places where it got up to the shoreline. I was like, I don't know about all those places, some of the deeper areas in the other sections. So I made this path, and I told my daughter, I said, step where I step, right? Step where I step, walk where I walk, we'll be fine. I checked it. It's good, right? And we sled ride, and we would sled ride out onto the pond, and we were having this good time. But I could tell my daughter, she would, she'd kind of walk over to the edge of this little path, and she'd kind of look, and she'd like look back at me. I'd like, step where I step, right? Okay. <laughs> Why was I doing that? Like, she had to give up control, right? She wanted to go off and just run across the pond. She wanted to do it. It was tempting. It, saw, it looked like fun, right? There was this whole world that she wanted to explore. But I knew that that world was dangerous, I hadn't tested it. I didn't know exactly what was over there. I, I knew that there was probably some, some thin parts of the ice. I knew that this place was safe. And so I told her, just follow me. Follow me on my path. Well, guess what? To this day, she still talks about it. It was an experience that she'll probably remember for a really, really long time. She talks about it all the time. She's like, you remember when we went sled running? We went out on the ice? It's that what if? See, here's the, here's the truth of what would happen. If she had stepped off my path, I would have had to take her and we would have gone off the ice, not to go back on it today, that day. That's what I told her. I said, if you do this, I can't stay out here with you. We got to come back in. She never would have had that experience, that memory, right? God wants so much for us. He wants so much for us. He asks us to follow him. He wants us to do things that we could never imagine to have experiences. And here's the thing is that it's not just for us. As I was saying with this man, he was asking this young man to give up a lot and to follow him. But he wasn't asking him to follow him just for his sake. He's like, that is the way to eternal life. But did he ever just let any of his disciples sit idly? In his interactions, he was always asking his disciples to go out, talk with those people, go and do this thing that I need you to do, feed these people right? Build my church. He's asking his disciples. So this young man was going to have to do something. He was going to be asked to do things, not just sit idly. And so here's where I am today, is that God wants us to love others. When we follow him, that's his main commandment. When, when he's asked in another interaction, he says, because this was, this was the concern of the people then. This is the concern of people now. The majority of people that I talk about, when they talk about religion, are concerned about this eternal life question. Right? Where am I going to end up? Where am I going to end up? 
And those people were, they were just as curious and they go to God and they said, what do we have to do? What do we have to do? And he says, love God, follow God, love people. He says, everything else jumbles into that. And if we're honest with ourselves, truly, truly, truly honest, how well do we do that? I'll be honest with you. Over the past uh, year and a half, um, my family has gone through tremendous amounts of change. We had our, our second daughter. We, I quit my job. We moved. We're still in the process of renovating the house. So we're living with my in-laws, which is going good. No, not my in-laws, <laughs> my parents. My family, my wife is living with her in-laws. <laughs> So we're living with my parents. We're trying to fix this house, trying to get used to new jobs, we're trying to get used to our family being what it is. All these things have led me to really lack in my connection with Christ, to really struggle to follow him day to day, I'll be honest. I get so wrapped up in all these changes and all these things and all these stressors and all this world and I lose sight of this God. I get so concerned of the, the what ifs, you know, the, the if onlys. Like, God, if only we could be in this house a week earlier. If only I had a tiny bit more money, I could fix this. If only I had a little bit more time, I would give it to you. If only I could stop doing this thing that I struggled to do. And God's saying, but what if you just followed me? What if you just followed me and did the things I'm asking you to do? What would happen then? Because see, I have this picture in my head of what I want it to look like, and it pales in comparison to what God has in store for me. And this is not an easy thing. Like I said, for the past year, I've been struggling with it. What does God want? How do I follow him? What do I do? And just getting distracted and getting torn away. When I was thinking about what I wanted to say this morning... I was thinking about this sermon series. Like I said, it's really been hitting me because it's, it's a challenge. What it is is a challenge to just live out what we say we believe. We come here every week and we say we believe things. We say we believe in God. And maybe you're new this week. Maybe this is your first time. That's what we do. We come here and we say we believe this. And we talk about how we believe it. And we get so distracted by the world sometimes that we forget to live it out. We forget to do the things. We forget to love other people. We forget to do love. See, the second point is that um, if we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ, Christians, and that's what it means to be followers of Christ, we must be willing to model our lives after Christ. Think about this interaction with this rich young ruler. Christ knew his heart. He knew how confused he was. He knew that he was not even looking at the world in the right way. And yet, he gave them the options. His hands were wide open. He said, come on. Come along. Like I said with my daughter Zoe, uh, the past couple of weeks, there's just this, I don't want to embarrass her, so I'm just going to leave it kind of vague. But these past couple of weeks, we've been kind of having this back and forth a little bit um, at bedtime about certain things. And she keeps wanting to do these certain things. And every single night I say, stop doing these things. Um, and every single night she repeats back. I'm like, do you understand why I don't want you to do them? Do you understand the things I don't want you to do? Yes, I understand them. Yes, this is what you don't want me to do. And then the next night, 
Spoiler alert. She does them, right? And, uh, and I sit there and I'm just like banging my head against the wall. And I think to myself, I get so frustrated. And then all of a sudden, I was standing there and my, my blood's starting to boil a little bit. And this light bulb just went off in my head. And I was like, I do this to God every single day. At the end of my day, I go before God and I say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for all the stuff that I did. I think back on the day. Thank you for all the things. Thank you in spite of all these things that you, you blessed me in this day, that you, you gave me this interaction or you gave me this person or you gave me this, this item or whatever it is. Thank you, God, because I didn't deserve it. I messed up again. And then the next day I say, I won't do it. I promise. And then I do it. And I'm sitting there looking at my daughter and I say, I, gotta, I have to be like Christ. And all of a sudden, that blood stops boiling. I look down and I'm just like, all right, we're gonna try this again, right? We'll do it again, we'll get it. Just follow me, there's a reason, right? And I, I, I explain to her, we gotta go to bed or else you're not gonna feel good, right? And all of a sudden, as that starts to happen, she starts to respond. See, God just wants us to follow him, not because he wants, he's some, you know, egotistical, you know, person that needs to have all of our attention. He deserves all of our attention. There's no ego in it. He just asks us to follow him. He says, follow me because that's what's right and that's what's good. Follow me because what I tell you to do is going to lead nothing but to your happiness. You think you know what is happiness, but you don't. Maybe you don't have kids, right? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I don't have kids. I can't really relate to that. But maybe you have people who work underneath you. Maybe you have people who you interact with. Maybe you have family members. Maybe you have people that you volunteer with. I don't know. But you can understand this interaction, sometimes these frustrations. And yet we see God come time and time again and welcome us back and say, follow me. So this morning, I want to encourage you. This last point, it says, God is love. We're meant to be like God, so we must, therefore, love, right? It's that third point. We're called to be like Christ, and he is love. Therefore, we must become love. That's the whole point of this series. If we're going to follow God, we have to act out these things, and we can't make excuses, God's going to ask us to do things that maybe we're uncomfortable with. Maybe he's going to ask you to interact with a person that you don't feel like interacting with. Maybe he's going to ask you to give something up that you don't want to give up. Maybe he's going to ask you, like the rich young ruler, to change a lifestyle. Maybe he's going to ask you to do something that scares you. But here's the thing is that he doesn't ask us to do things and then hang us out to dry. He says, I'm here with you. The disciples, they understood this and they radically changed the world. Don't be that person that misses out on being a disciple. Don't be that person that gets, misses out on God's plan. Read this book and see how these things happen. They're not easy journeys. They're not fun journeys. They're not um, journeys that have a lot of, um, a lot of you know, riches very few people in this end up being um, super rich and super successful in the eyes of the world, but God um, uses them to radically shape and shift everything around them. 
So I want to encourage you. We're going to close in um, with this verse. It's Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. It says, Jesus says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. See, the Bible tells us that God's worldview, God's ways are the opposite of this world. How we can experience peace and how the burden can be light and yet we still experience suffering. How can, how can this that Jesus just said apply to the disciples who we know were some executed in horrific ways for him and yet if you read the works of these disciples, these letters, you can see in their writing that it did. Their hearts were light and filled with joy. Paul, in the midst of being in prison, was writing joy. He was writing encouragement to other people. Listen, consider what this world does to you to be pure joy because you're doing it for Christ. So wherever you are today, maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you're still thinking about it. Maybe you're like, you know what? I want to follow him. That, this sounds great. What's working in my life? Maybe you're like the rich young ruler and you're saying, I'm trying all these things. It's just not clicking. I need something else. Well, here's the cool thing is we're going to say a prayer in a second where we can experience that, where we can accept Christ. Maybe you do follow Christ. Maybe you've given your life to Christ. And in this moment, you're thinking, I need to change some things. There's something like that young ruler that I need to give up. There's something that I need to pick up. Maybe I need to pick up my Bible more often. Maybe I need to pick up prayer more often. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know where you stand. But Christ is standing there and he's saying, just follow me. Just follow me. Would you join me in prayer? If you don't know Christ, it's not hard to form a relationship with him. Our world maybe makes it seem that way, but he says, I want it. He's standing there waiting. He says, I want it. I want to be in a relationship with you. And so in this moment, if that's what you want as well, I'd ask you to pray along with me. You don't have to stand. You don't have to put your hand up. Just pray along with me. We're gonna say a prayer. And for those who are sitting, if you're not praying this, pray for those people. Pray for what you're going through. Use this time as a chance to talk to God. Dear God, we come before you this morning. And we admit our brokenness. We realize that no one in this world is good but God, just like Christ says. We realize that we ourselves, more times than not, end up doing the things we don't want to do. God, we admit our brokenness. But God, we know that 
you don't wanna leave us here and that you love us. And so God, we ask you to take away those sins, that brokenness, mend us, heal us. Take away these temptations. Make us thirsty only for the things that you desire. Make us hungry for only the things that you want us to be hungry for. Because God, in this moment, we realize, maybe we don't fully understand it, but we realize that whatever plan you have for us is better than what we are doing right now. God, whatever plan that you have for us, you've promised brings joy and peace. So God, we ask you in this moment to be our savior, be our ruler, be our king. God, in this moment, we devote ourselves to you. In this moment, we, we tell you that we are following you. God, in this moment, we repent. To repent means to turn from what we are doing, make a 180 and go in the opposite direction. God, we repent from the lifestyle that we're living, the things that are unpleasing to you, the things that are holding us back from you, we turn our backs on them. And God, we come to you this morning, we pray, asking for your Holy Spirit to enter into our lives. The Bible tells us that we can ask for this, we can ask for the Holy Spirit to be a part of who we are, that you can be a part of who we are, This the God of the universe can live in communion with us, guiding us, allowing us to have a glimpse of this kingdom, to be there as our companion and our protector and our guide. God, we pray that right now. Let the Holy Spirit enter not only into this place, but into the people that want that. The people that are asking for it are, are just searching desperately. The people that are lost, God, we pray that the Holy Spirit lays heavy on them. The Holy Spirit, that they can feel a change, that they can feel that this day is going to be the start of something new. A new place, a new beginning, God. God, thank you. And from this day forward, we, we pray that we know we'll mess up, but we also follow you. And God, we just want to do that. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.